to be hanging around here at Brantford for, for a few weeks. It's been nice to be with you all. It's been nice to be able to get out to the, to the uh, care groups on, on, on uh, Wednesday morning. It's been just a, been a blessing for me to be around and for Joyce and I to be around. So we're thankful for the fellowship we've enjoyed. And it's actually true that this is the first year of all the years that the National Workers Conference has been going on that we're actually going to be free to be able to go. And so we're kind of excited for the opportunity to be able to go, and it's right in, right in our neighborhood practically, just a few minutes down the road. So we are excited about the opportunity to be able to go to the Workers' Conference this year for the very first time. Turn with me, please, to Jeremiah. We're going to continue our thoughts in Jeremiah, and this will be our last week with you to uh, share from Jeremiah. Then we'll be in Yonkers. For a week, then we'll be back here for a week, not speaking, but back here for a week. Then we're at Yonkers again, and then we'll be at Westville, and then we'll be heading down to Florida for a month of of ministry. So, in and out for the next couple of weeks, but uh, it's certainly a pleasure to be with you this morning. Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to begin this morning reading from verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Jeremiah of course speaking, then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go... To all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. To build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot, and it is facing away from the north. And the Lord will add His blessing to the reading of His word. This morning, let's pray together. Father, once again, we acknowledge our need of Thy guidance and Thy help, the help of Thy Spirit in order to convey Your Word to our hearts. And so we ask, Lord, for Your help. We ask for Your guidance. We ask that Your Word would be clearly spoken to each one of our hearts. And may it be for the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning with a simple question. Do you have a flaw in your character? Oh, maybe, let me change that. Let me rephrase that and put it in the plural. Do you have flaws in your character? I think the question is, answer is obvious, isn't it? Do you have flaws in your character? Somebody needs to move that. Do you have flaws in your character? Perhaps... You have flaws that you have tried very hard to hide. 
Because you're a Christian and a Christian can't have flaws. And you try very hard to hide your flaws. Yet they're still there. And you know they're still there. They're just lurking under the surface sometimes. To you, they're glaring. To others, you've, you've done a pretty good job of shading them. Flaws in our character. Anger. Lust. Some sort of addiction. Some sort of a habitual behavior that is unseemly. A, a critical spirit that often gets directed at the people you love the most. Anger that flares up against the people you love the most. Something that seems so very contradictory to you who are in Christ. So in your mind, it seems so in conflict with who you are as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel inadequate. Uneducated. Not up to the task of life. On the outside, you appear like you have all your ducks in a row. But on the inside, you know it just isn't so. You know it just isn't so. Maybe you feel like your life within your mind is a set of contradictions. You feel unqualified. You feel like you'll never be qualified. Let me ask you another question. This is a follow-up question to the first. Is God finished with you yet? Is He finished? No. Far from being finished, right? If you take a careful look, and you don't even have to take a careful look, if you take a glancing look at the characters of the Bible... From beginning to end, you will find a series of unqualified men and women. Men and women with flaws in their character. Men and women with shortcomings in their character. Yet God took and used for His glory. Right? Because God delights to to work through a man or a woman who recognizes their flaws and recognizes their how short they fall, recognizes their own inadequacies, recognizes that in and of themselves they are not qualified. They were all unqualified. We are all unqualified. But the grace of God is sufficient. For us all. The grace of God is sufficient. Jeremiah was like one of those men. Like David, like Moses, like the disciples, like you and I, who felt unqualified. All the way through his ministry, you can sense it. He was a man who felt unqualified. We are of that same camp. Paul wrote, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. The sufficiency to do the work of God does not come from us. 
It comes from Him. The ability to carry on His work, even in the idea of witnessing and evangelism, is not our sufficiency. It is from Him. Because we all fall short. And we all lack the power we need to do the work that God calls us to do. And without Him, we are in sorry shape. But thank God we have Him. Don't we? We have Him. And why does the Lord do this? Why does the Lord choose people who are unqualified kind of people, who feel inadequate, who recognize their own personal flaws? Why does, the God, why does God choose those kinds of people? So He'll receive the glory and not you. So He'll receive the praise and not you. Because we recognize that without Him, we have nothing and can do nothing. And so God chooses men and women so very often who recognize within themselves their flaws and their shortcomings. It was true of Jeremiah. You remember from last week we looked at the call to Jeremiah. We saw a little bit of the history and the background of where Jeremiah lived and where he grew up and the age in which he was living. We saw some of that last week. And then we saw the call before, he said, as we read it, before I formed you, the Lord said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you were ever born, before you were ever formed in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew your flaws. I knew what your shortcomings would be. I knew all about you. Yet I called you. Even before you were born, and we're not going to go back into that, but even before you were born, I called you. I knew you. The omniscient God knew you. And He knew me before we were even formed in the womb. And He chose us to be in Him. What a wonderful God that would look past your flaws and my flaws. Because in order to save us, He would have to look by all those flaws because there's no perfect man and there's no perfect woman. No perfect ones. The only perfect man ever was the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew His imperfections. He knew what His strengths would be. Before you came into the world, He said to Jeremiah, I set you apart. I selected you. I gave you as a prophet to the nations. Not only as a prophet to Israel, not only a prophet to, Jer- to, to Judah and Benjamin, to the city of Jerusalem, but to the nations as a whole I gave you. And down through the ages, has not the message of Jeremiah resonated not only among the Jewish people, but to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do not His words still resonate to us who have come out of the nations, out of the Gentile nations? We certainly have. And He still speaks to our hearts today. Through this book, penned so many centuries ago, millennium. I've given you. 
Now, in a similar way, I suppose, we could say of ourselves, in a similar way, we could say that the Lord has placed us, and we've said this before, that the Lord has placed us, He has placed you, He has placed me in this time, in this age, in this part of the world with a purpose and a design. You believe that? Do you believe that you are here at this time in history by the design of God? Paul would write in Acts, when Paul was addressing the people of Athens in the market, he said to them, He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. He has given you. He has given me as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ for us who have come to know Him as our Savior and Lord. He has placed us purposely in the age in which we live, in the time in which we live, in the short number of days that we have to be His witness, to fulfill His purposes in and through our lives. How are we doing? How are we doing? The Lord has placed us here in the age in which we live. It was not by chance that you find yourself living at this point in time. And it's not so much that God gives you as He has placed, as you place your faith and trust in Him to the job. He had a job. He had a job. He had a, a work that He was doing. And He gave us to the work that He was already doing. Can we choose to do it or not do it? Yeah. We often do resist, don't we? We often do resist. And we often have our excuses and our reasons for why we can't do certain things that the Lord perhaps we feel the Lord perhaps has, has given us to do. He has given us all spiritual gift. Each one of us in this room, if, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, have a spiritual gift that the Lord has given to you. You may have more than one of those spiritual gifts, but He's given you a spiritual gift to use to perform for His glory. And if you know what that gift is and you're not using it for, your, for His glory, you are not fulfilling God's purpose for you amongst His people for His glory. So it's important that we understand those things. Important that we understand and know what our spiritual gift is, that we might use it for His glory. Notice, notice Jeremiah's response. And we read this last week and we touched on it just a bit, but we want to go into it now. Notice Jeremiah's response. This is his excuse. And it's not, it's not really an excuse in that sense. It is a true statement that he makes. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Ah, Lord God. Or alas, the Lord comes to him and says, Jeremiah, I've set you apart. You're going to be my prophet to the nations. You're going to be the one I use. I've chosen you. And the immediate response is, Ah, alas, Lord God, 
I cannot. I cannot speak. You notice the term he uses. He says, alas. Then he says, Lord God. Now, we recognize that the term Lord that is used here, you'll notice that's capital L, small O-R-D. And when you find that in, in the Old Testament, it has the, it has the meaning of Adonai. It's Adonai is the, is the Hebrew word that is used there. Adonai. And what does Adonai mean? Adonai means the one who possesses me. It means In its root form, it means that. But it means Lord. It means the one who owns me, the one who possesses me, my master. And the response of Jeremiah is, my master. God is all in capitals. Whenever you see God in all capitals or Lord in all capitals, it is the personal name of God. So it's Yahweh. My master, Yahweh, I cannot speak. It's interesting how many times that happens. It's interesting how many times it even happens in our own lives. You are my master. You are the one who possesses me. I have given myself to you. You bought me with your precious blood. I belong to you now. Oh, Ken, I need you to do... Oh, wait, no, wait. Wait, Master. Wait, Master. I'm not ready for this. I remember Dwight Knight one time saying, speaking on this whole subject, it was in a different passage of Scripture, but James, you'll remember. You remember him saying, when the Lord speaks to us, our only proper response should be, yes, Your Majesty. Because He is the one that bought us. Do you have flaws? Yeah, that's why we started that way. Because we all have flaws. We all don't obey perfectly. But He's not finished with us. He's still working to perform His purpose and to conform us to the image of His dear Son who always was obedient to the Father. Always did what the Father told Him to do. Always spoke the words of His Father that the Father gave to Him. And He's not finished with us. He's working on us. Oh, Lord God, I cannot. I cannot. You know, and there's truth in that statement, isn't there? There's truth in that statement. Jeremiah looks into the face of God, as it were, and says, I cannot. And it's almost as if the Lord looks back and says, I know. I know you cannot, but I can. You yield yourself to me, and I can. I can do what you cannot do. What you claim that you cannot do, I can do through you. I cannot speak. Moses said the same thing, didn't he? Well, who am I? I can't speak. I, I have a stutter, and I, and I, can't, I, I, I'm, so, I can't do it. Okay, I'll give you Aaron. He'll speak for you. But you're going to go to the job. You're going to go do the job. And you notice, at least it appears, that after things get going, Moses does a lot of speaking. <laughs> For he began to realize, yes, God is with me. And when God is with me, the impossible is possible. The impossible becomes possible. I am not, I'm, a, I'm a youth. And so he was. It is likely... It is likely that Jeremiah was 17, 18 years old when the call of God came to him to go out and be a prophet. We recognize from last week's lesson that he was of the priestly family. His father was a high priest, Hilkiah. 
So he was probably one of the ones, at least in line, for the high priesthood in Israel. When could a priest begin to function in his priestly office? Not until he was 30. He's maybe 18. And so the statement he turns back to the Lord is, I have called you, I have selected you. Yeah, I know, but I have to wait till I'm 30 to begin functioning as a priest. But that's not what I've called you for. That's not what I've called you for. I've, I've called you to be my prophet to the people. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready. I'm too young. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's almost as if the Lord, it's almost as if Jeremiah is saying to the Lord, wait. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. You notice what the Lord doesn't say. The Lord doesn't say, oh, oh, Jeremy, you're not ready yet? Well, well how long do you think I should wait? I, I, I'm glad to come back. I, are you not ready yet? You, do you, you're not prepared? Do you, do you need some, some more education? Well, we'll see. We can line you up some more education. But you're, you're not ready yet, Jeremiah? Do you need more practical experience? Maybe we could work some more practical experience in. Maybe in your little town of Anatolia, we, we can get some more practical experience for you before we call you. Oh, what a good idea, Jeremy. What a good idea, Jeremy. I wasn't aware that you were not ready. Do you need more time to polish up your people skills? He doesn't say any of those things to Jeremiah, does he? He doesn't say anything like that to Jeremiah. He doesn't say, oh, Jeremiah, oh, okay, my bad, I'm sorry. I called you and you're not ready, you're too young, my bad. No. The call of God comes to Jeremiah. And when Jeremiah brings up this reason, a legitimate reason in the mind of Jeremiah, the Lord says to him, the Lord says to him, do not say, I am a youth. Do not use the excuse that I am a youth. We might add, do not use the excuse that I am an old man. Do not use the excuse that I am an old woman. I can't do this anymore. I did my time. I'm done. Do not say, I am a youth. Do not say, I am unqualified at this point in time in my life. Do not say, I've already finished my work. There's no more for me to do. Do not say those things. Do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go. You notice he doesn't give Jeremiah the choice anymore. He doesn't say, okay, Jeremiah, I get your point. You're too young. I'll be back to you again. I'll come back in a few years and we'll try this again. Nope. He says, no, Jeremiah, you shall go. You're going to do what I'm telling you to do. You shall go. And what did Jeremiah do? He went. He heard the call of God. He heard God overcome the objection that he had, and he said, you shall go to whom I send you. You shall speak whatever I command you. Jeremiah, you will do what I've told you to do. I am your master. I am your Adonai. I am your God. And I am the one who has set you apart. Even before you were born, I set you apart. And now is the time I have not made a mistake. I know your age. I know your flaws. You will do what I have told you to do. 
Let's pause there for just a minute. We, as students of the Word of God, and most of you in this room have studied the Word of God for many, many years. You know much. You have much knowledge in the Word of God. You know the things that the Lord has spoken to us. You know that the things, the things that the Lord has instructed us to do. We know much. And when we know much, much is required of us. I remember, and I, I shared this before, and some of you in this room, that that number gets fewer and fewer as the years go by, uh, would know the man I'm speaking of. But at one point, this was way back when Branford was in its beginning stages, this young man came up to me, and I know I've shared this here before, but this young man came up to me and said, I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to study the Word anymore. I'm done with it. I said, what's the matter? Why? And he was a true believer. Why? Because the more I read, the more I'm responsible for it. And I don't want to be responsible for it. But that's a true, honest statement, isn't it? He has taught us much. We have learned much. And we have responsibility for much. Do we have flawed characters? <laughs> Do we have flaws in our character? Are we resistant often to the Master? But He's not finished with us. He's not finished with us. He'll keep working at it. He'll keep working at our hearts. He'll keep working in our minds. Then He says to him, Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of their countenance. Do not be afraid of their faces. Do not be afraid when they scowl at you. And we know that later on in Jeremiah in chapter 7 when he speaks in the temple and he speaks words in the temple that the people, even the priests and the, and the, the, the false prophets that were in the temple didn't like hearing at all and even tried to kill him. Eventually they, they end up taking him away into Egypt. They don't want to hear what he has to say. They don't want to hear His message. And we recognize that that is true very often of people. They don't want to hear the message. They don't want to hear what you have to say. So when you see their faces, Jeremiah, and their faces and their countenance is angry against you, do not be afraid. You remember that you saw in reading, because you just read it straight through from, chapter, from verse 4, Jeremiah never, never once says he was afraid, did he? He didn't say he was afraid. He didn't say he was afraid. God knew he was afraid. God knew his heart. God knew his flaws. Fear is, is so common to all of us. Fear is a common denominator in all of us. It may be fear of different things, but fear is a common denominator in all of us. We all have fears. Don't be ashamed of being afraid. It is something God has given us to warn us. But He also does not want us to stay in fear. To dwell in fear. But be delivered from fear. But placing faith and trust in Him in the midst of fear. I had a great deal of fear this week. I have to be very honest with you. This isn't something I planned on sharing, but it's just there. 
It was there, looking and waiting to hear from friends that I love so bad, so much, and, and thinking of people in particular that I was just so concerned of when the storm was, was sitting right over them. My, I was anxious, and I don't, I don't like to call it fear anymore. I call it prayerful concern. That sounds so much better than fear. But it was. It was prayerful concern, but I was genuinely concerned. Did the Lord know what He was doing? Did the Lord allow this to happen? Did He know where His people were? Did He know that even Abaco, that some of His people would lose their lives? Nothing took Him by surprise. And as I said earlier, that if this is the answer to the people's prayer for revival on those keys that they've been praying for for so long, if this is the answer that through this tragedy, men and women will come to know Christ as Savior, those men and women will gladly and willfully sacrifice all they had for those souls to be saved. I know it. I know it. Don't be afraid of their faces. I will deliver you. I will be with you. I am with you to deliver you. I am with you to deliver you. I know in my own personal experience, sometimes overseas and in situations that were quite dangerous, being in situations where maybe I was where I ought not to have been, as we were up in the mountains doing, doing work up in the mountains, there were, there were times when the fact that I knew the Lord was with us was what sustained us. We need that, don't we? As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to know that. Not only know it here, but to know it here. To know it in our heart of hearts and in our souls that He is with us. That He promised He would never leave us. He promised He would never forsake us. He is with us through the storms. He's with us through the hardships. He's with us through the diseases. He's with us through all the suffering. He's with us. And He is good. Hard to see it sometimes from our human perspective. There were many times over the course of these last few days I said, why, Lord? Why? But You are a sovereign God. And You are a God of love. And we must place our faith and trust in You. I am with You. I am with You. You will speak the words that I give You. And then in the entire Ministry of Jeremiah. He would need to know that. He would need to be assured of that in his own heart. He would need that because that would be where he would be challenged the most. You do not speak the words of God. The other prophets who are speaking false prophecies, speaking of good things to come, speaking of how the Lord would not deliver them into the hands of the enemy of Babylon, that would not cause Jerusalem to be destroyed, would not cause the place where the temple is to be torn down and taken down. They would prophesy that all will be well. God will come in and provide. And Jeremiah would come along and say that is lies. God is coming 
in judgment. The boiling pot that we saw at the end of the verse that we read this morning is being poured out from the north. Babylon is coming. He's gonna, they're going to destroy you, leave you waste. The, temp, the city is going to be destroyed. The temple is going to be destroyed. Everything is going to waste. And when you know that, the only comfort you will take is the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. Oh, we've all, we've all faced these times. Maybe not as severe as what was happening, going to happen to, to uh, Judah and Jerusalem. But we have all faced the storms. We have all faced the hard times. We have all faced personal struggles. We have all faced them. And are facing them now. They look us and square in the face. How often did the Lord Jesus Christ Himself say, Fear not. Do not be afraid. And what causes us to not be afraid? The sense of His presence with us. The sense of His presence with us. Speak what I give you to speak. I am with you, Jeremiah. Speak what I tell you to speak. I have set you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. And now He tells him what His ministry will be. And here is the ministry that I am giving you, Jeremiah. It is to root up... Let me, let me read it so I don't mess it up. To root out and pull down. To destroy and to throw down. This is the ministry I've given to you. This is the message you are to proclaim. That you're going to see the rooting up. He uses an agricultural thing, the first one. The first one's a kind of an agricultural thing. We're going to tear things out by their roots. You're going to tear it out by their roots. You're going to pull it down. You're going you're gonna to preach a message of, of destruction that is coming. A message of destruction and throwing down. A lot of the prophets had that same message, didn't they? A lot of the prophets had that same message. But the second part of that message was to build and to plant. The things that were thrown down and destroyed will be rebuilt. The things that have been rooted out will be planted again. And He gives them hope. The message, Jeremiah, that you will preach will be a message of coming disaster. will be a message of coming judgment. It will be a message that cannot be stopped. There is no repentance. There is no turning of hearts in the people. I see it. I know their hearts. And the judgment will fall upon them. There's no relenting. It is coming. And it will destroy everything in its path. But when it is over, my promises are yea and amen. And the covenant that I made with Abraham, the covenant that I made with David, the covenants that I've made with my people, I will bring them back to their land. And they will build again. And they will plant again. And after 70 years of bondage, did the Lord not fulfill His promise? Did He not bring them back? What grace. What mercy. What mercy in the God that we know. I will be your mouth, Jeremiah. I will speak 
I will be the one who gives you the words to speak. He says, the word of God came to me. The word of God came to me. That's, that's a beautiful phraseology. And, it, and in, some re, in some respects, it's the same that we have. Does the word of God not come to us? As you're reading his word, does it not open up to you as the spirit of God reveals it to you? Does it not? Sometimes you might read the same passage over and over again. And then one day you'll be sitting down, you'll be reading it. And it's like the spirit of God just opens that up for you. And you see it in a whole new light. And it comes to you. And you hear it and you read it. And the Lord teaches you something new of himself. Something new of our responsibility. The words that Jeremiah will speak are the words that the Lord would give him. And that's what a servant of the Lord is supposed to do. Right? That is what a teacher of the Word of God is supposed to do. It's what Ezra did. You remember? Ezra took the Word of God, spoke it to the people, and gave it its sense. Of course, he was going from a from a language that they really didn't understand all that well because they had forgotten. But he was taking the Word of God and he was presenting it and reading it to the people and then giving it its sense. What does it mean? What does it mean to you? And that's a responsibility. Not so much what does it mean to you. What does it mean? Because sometimes we get that phrase, yeah, what does it mean to you? I don't care what it means to you. I don't care what it means. And if it means something different to you than it means to me, then one of us is wrong. How does the Lord apply it to me may be different. How He applies it to my present situations may be different. But the Word of the Lord came to Him. That's what a servant of God is supposed to do. Take the Word of God and give it to the people. Moses was told, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, as we said earlier, would say the words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father has given me command what to say and what to speak. He was, in, in a very real sense, the Word of God speaking the Word of God. He was the Logos speaking the Word of God to the, to the people, sharing with them the Gospel. And it is this book that declares that the Word of God comes in the form of the words of Jeremiah. It comes in the form of the words of Jeremiah. They are not; they are the words of a man. At the same time, they are the words of God. They are the words of a man spoken who becomes a broken man, who becomes a weeping man, who becomes a man who is heart sick over the message he must bring. But he is bringing the Word of God through the words of a man. He was not simply a mouthpiece with no will, as are we. We are not mouthpieces with no will of our own, without no, any desire of our own. It's not as though Jeremiah spoke some words and said, paused suddenly and said, wow, did I just really say that? Sometimes we're like that. We speak things out of turn and we say, oh, did I? Did I really say that? Did I say that out loud? Jeremiah, when he spoke, was speaking the words of God. But it was Jeremiah who was speaking. Jeremiah was the man 
Sorry, Mike, you have to keep moving your foot. Jeremiah was the instrument that God was using to speak. They were God's words, yet they were Jeremiah's words. They came from his own intellect, his own background, his own culture, his own personal reflection of things. And it's evident when you read through the, when you read through the prophecy. Yet prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, through human, uh, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The words were from God. Spoken through a man. Carried along by the Spirit of God. We have that same Spirit within us. Not simply dwelling upon us, but living within us. Has he lost power over the years? Has his power diminished in any way? Has he gotten weaker because the Western world has gotten weaker? The Spirit of God that dwells within you is just as powerful as he ever has been and ever will be. Infinite in power. Infinite in glory. His strength is sufficient for you. As it is sufficient for me. In my weakness, He makes me strong. In my failed, flawed character, He lifts me up. And He encourages me. And in my sin, He forgives. When I sin, He is ever faithful and just to forgive. And the blood of His Son continually cleanses me from all my sin. That's the God I know. That's the God I love. He sees me. He knows me. When you look at verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see, Jeremiah? And he answers, I see an almond branch. And he says, you have rightly seen. Now, this is an interesting little cultural thing. You may miss it, unless you did some research. You may miss it. But it's the idea that the almond tree in Israel is the first tree to bud. It's the first tree to give forth fruit. They call it the watching tree because it stands watch over all the rest of the stuff that grows because it's the first one that bears fruit. It's the first one that has the flowers. It's called the watching tree, the almond tree. And the Lord says, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see an almond branch. Yes, you do. You see an almond branch. And remember, I am watching over my word. I am watching over my word to see that it is accomplished. You're not alone. I'm watching over my word to be sure that it is accomplished. I am ready to perform my word. I'm watching over. I'm seeing that it will be performed. Then the word came, the Lord came to me a second time. And it said, what do you see? And he said, I see a boiling pot and it's facing away from the north. We already explained to you what that meant. That judgment 
destruction was going to be poured out on them from the north. Babylon would come down. But my friends, there's a boiling pot hanging over this world. There is a boiling pot hanging over this nation. There's a boiling pot ready to be poured out in judgment on this God-forsaking world. You know it and I know it because we've studied the Word of God. We know that a time of great tribulation is yet coming for this world. And we know it will be like nothing the world has ever seen before. And the destruction that will come in those seven years will be devastating like nothing we've ever seen before. A boiling pot is hanging over this world, ready to be dumped out, as it were, of judgment. And just as surely as Babylon came down and destroyed the nation of Judah and destroyed the temple and took them away into captivity, this boiling pot is ready to be poured out. When will it be poured out? I do not know. But this thing I do know, it will come. Judgment will come upon this world. Judgment will come upon this world. Yet there's still time for repentance. Still time to repent. Still time to turn. Which, if you read through Jeremiah, you'll find that that's one of his favorite little phrases as he goes along that the Spirit of God spoke through him. To turn, 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 turn! And they didn't turn! But there's still time in this age of grace in which we live for men and women to turn and be saved. To still trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. He gave Jeremiah a mission. He's given us a mission. He had a boiling pot that was getting ready to be poured out. There's a boiling pot getting ready to be poured out. Proclaim the truth of the Word of God. We are told to proclaim the Gospel of Christ in the age in which we live. Jeremiah would see the destruction that was to come. Jeremiah would experience the destruction that came. And he warned them of its imminence. He warned them of its its soon coming. But this prophecy shows their consistent and constant uh, resistance to his word. Even to the point where they took the word that he wrote down, the words of God, and they burnt them to get rid of them. Constant resistance to the Word of God. In the lives of stubborn and rebellious people, God's Word still is true. It is still right. It is the same today, isn't it? Same today. It was that way down through the ages. It's that way today. Yet the sovereign purpose of God is fulfilled as the ages roll. The sovereign purposes of God are being fulfilled as time goes by. Men live, men die, but His Word and His purposes He will fulfill. The Lord is still and always will be the supreme potentate and ruler of all. And what He says, He will accomplish. Believe it? 
May the Lord encourage us and strengthen us. May he continue to work on our flaws, which are many. And I know that he will because he's not finished with us and he will not finish into the day that we are taken up and become like his son in all our, all that perfection that that will be. Father, we give you thanks. <clears throat> we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the power of the book of Jeremiah and the words that it speaks. It speaks words that even pierce our hearts today because the truth are the same. The evidence is the same. And they are your words which are living. And so, Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for the challenge it gives to our own hearts and lives. We pray that we would be those who are seeking with all of our flaws and all of our failures, seeking more day after day to yield to the things that you would have from us, that you might be glorified and honored. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.